0: Tonight I want to start off with reading a passage out of Matthew. You don't have to necessarily turn there, but we're going to can pick up where I left off. Well, it was about a month ago that I left off, and we were in Revelation, and we're studying the seven churches, and we have one more church to go, one more church to go, the church at Laodicea. But in order for us to really See where John is taking us in the last few verses of Revelation chapter 3. We need to get in the mindset of where Christ is coming from and what John is saying. And the best way for us to do that is to go back to Matthew and read just some simple verses from Matthew 19. So I want you to kind of close your eyes for just a moment because I need you to get in the headspace of John, okay? I need you to get in his headspace. As Christ reveals himself uh, to John, I need you to get in this headspace that Matthew takes us to really quickly and efficiently. And this is Matthew 19, verses 16 and following. Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. If you want to enter eternal life, obey the commandments. Which ones, the man required? Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All these things I have kept, the young man said, what do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell all your possessions and give them to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. If you take that passage as kind of a jumping off point for where John is with the church at Laodicea, you really begin to understand what my grandfather would call The bacon and egg biscuit. The principle of the bacon and egg biscuit. And for most of us as followers of Christ, we live this bacon and egg biscuit principle. You see, if you take a bacon and egg biscuit, that's where you've got a good piece of thick bacon. You know what I'm talking about, Zach? You know what I'm talking about? None of that that thin Waffle House stuff. I do like my Waffle House, but none of that stuff that you can see through, you know what I'm talking about? I know kind of, you know, none of that's kind of see-through stuff. I'm talking about a good, solid piece. Crispy fried, none of that limp stuff, you know what I'm talking about? You can still see the gristle and stuff. That's just disgusting. I'm talking about a good piece of bacon. A good old grandma's biscuit. Not none of these things that are about this big that, you know, a grown man eat it and still hungry. I'm talking a big old cat head biscuit. That's what my grandmother called cat head biscuit. I've never seen a cat with a head that big. If I did, I'd probably be a little bit scared of it, but a big, you know, good size and then bacon and then egg. But do you know what the deal is with the bacon and egg biscuit? Do you know what the deal is? You see, the pig is committed. The chicken is just involved. Do you understand that idea? The pig is totally committed to the bacon and egg biscuit. The chicken, however, is just involved. He's just a part. He's just there providing what he can provide, doing what he can do, or she can do, actually, but doing what she, where, hide her doing what she can do as the chicken providing the egg. Yes, sir, is this correct? Okay, just checking. A resident chicken farmer, ladies and gentlemen, got to get the affirmation from the person that knows the most in the room. I wonder if you think about Matthew 19 and this chicken and egg biscuit principle. Most of us would love to say we are the pig. We are committed to Christ. That we have died to self. And we are totally committed to what Christ is doing in and through this world. But it might be that we're just involved. That we just provide what we can provide, we just do our thing. And we hope that somehow we're a part of it. That somehow God might, you know, put us in a place, work through us, that we would do what is just necessary to be involved in the big old sandwich, in the big old biscuit sandwich that is the kingdom of God. And so as we look at Laodicea, the phrase that most of us are familiar with with this church is the phrase lukewarm. That word, lukewarm. And if you were at the church at Laodicea and you were to receive this letter from John and it said lukewarm, you would have an instantaneous recollection of what he is talking about. Because this city, although it is very, very wealthy It had no inherent water source. And so the water would come in an aqueduct all the way from Colossae. And so their water would get to them after baking in an aqueduct and it would get to them warm. You say, well, you know, what's wrong with warm water? I don't know a lot of people that like to drink Warm, tepid water. And I can probably paint a little bit better image for you in in, in this way for us in modern society. Sweet tea, no ice. Or for those of you that are a little bit more image challenged, how about this? Hot summer's day... A hundred plus, you jump in a pool and it feels like bathwater, And you're like, this is disgusting. You ever done that? No refreshment. And so when we look at this church and we read this passage, I want to keep you, you need to keep these images in mind. All right, so we're going to complete this study of the seven churches, and I think it is interesting that we find ourselves in 2020 in the new year in the church at Laodicea. So, let me ask you a question as we move forward How would you describe your relationship with the Lord today? Are you in close fellowship with Him, or are you like the church at Ephesus and you have left your first love? Do you sense a deep need for him or do you feel like you have your life under control? Is your life manageable? Have you become spiritually indifferent or apathetic? Would you say in 2020 that you are more in love with Christ today than you were a month ago? a year ago or in Riley's case 13 years ago well i pray that tonight that that fire would be rekindled let's have a word of prayer and then we're going to smash right through this lord god use these humble words lord to break chains Lord, to rearrange lives. Lord, to help us become committed. Lord, to your will and to your way. That we would no longer just be involved in what you're doing, Lord. That we would be fully sold out, committed. Lord, totally involved. Totally consumed by who you are your great glory, your great majesty, your great love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I've already told you about the church a little bit, but there are three things that the church, that this area uh, in Laodicea were also known for and they come into play as we study the scripture. They were also known uh, not just for their tepid water, but for their extreme wealth. They had a lot of banking centers there. They're also known for their soft black wool. And then they were known for their eye salve, which was a medication that was used in that area for, for medical treatments. And so when we get to the imagery that Christ gives John, it is a direct apologetic to these three primary things that this region was known for. And that'll be clear to us in just a few moments. So let's look at Revelation 3. This is verses 14 through 22. And we're gonna hammer through the first two real quick, okay? To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write these things. These are the words of the amen the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot or cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So in this first description of Christ, we know this to be pivotal as we look at these churches. We see he is called the amen. Or for the army people in the room like myself, the hua. And he would say, what is that? What is the amen? Well, it literally means so be it. And so John is projecting this idea of Christ that when he says something, it happens. When Christ says something, it happens. There's no maybe, there's no if, there's no I think it might. No, when he says something, it happens. You can bank on it. You can count on it. It will come to completion. Then he says he is also the faithful and true witness. The second point, the faithful and true witness emphasizes that he is perfectly trustworthy and that what he says has merit, has weight, that he is able to pronounce these things and say that they're lukewarm and he does so with authority. And then lastly, the beginning of creation, the the beginning of the creation of God, this is basically saying he is the ruler over all creation because he is the created one, the one before all. So this threefold description of Christ, how does that impact this church? Well, listen to what he says to them when he calls them lukewarm. And so look at the next few verses Verses 16 says, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth, actually vomit you out of my mouth. You say, the church says, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. And this is where the amen, this is where the trustworthy one, this is where the first of creation says to them, but you do not realize. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Now, for us, we often want people to tell us the truth. And we have probably a few select friends that we go to and say, hey, am I getting this right? Am I, am I seeing this relationship right? Am I seeing this argument right? Am I seeing the way this professor is treating me? Am I seeing this interaction accurately? Or am I being a wham whang, a baby? Now, for me, that person God gave me, I love her so much, that's my wife. If something's happening at work, If something happens to me in in any situation, I come home and I do what most, hopefully most of us are allowed to do, have the opportunity to do with our loved one. We kind of download the situation to them and we explain it in the best light for ourselves, right? And you go, don't you agree with my interpretation of the situation, And sometimes your wife looks at you and says, you're being a little way way." And you're like, but, but, I, not. And she's like, no, nah, you, you're being a baby. And you realize that you are. I don't know if you have those type of friends. We would all love to have someone that would be totally honest with us. And we, we, would, we would like that if we can take it right but have you ever asked christ god jesus how do you see me jesus how how, how do you see me because when i See myself, I say, I'm rich. I've acquired wealth. I'm self-sustaining. I get it. I'm doing well. And Christ says to you, but you don't realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Do you have the capability, the guts to ask Christ that? And then, do you have the word all to sit and listen to what his response might be? For some of us, he may say, Well, you're just involved, but you're not committed. You're just hanging out and hanging around. You're just a hanger on. You're just someone who's there taking up space, but you're not committed to the cause that is Christ. But he doesn't leave them there. And he doesn't leave us there. John definitely gives us hope through the power of Christ in verse 18. And so he's presented this problem and he comes to them and says, here is the solution. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can be rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. And this goes right back to the description of Christ at the beginning of this passage. The amen, the so it will be, can make it happen. He is the one that can give them these things. The faithful and true witness, he is trustworthy. He's not going to give them seconds. They're not going to get ripped off. Christ has a response to their lukewarmness. And then the beginning of all creation, as he is described in the early verses, he is able to provide any and all that they need. So gold refined by fire, that is denoting purity. Gold refined by fire, denoting purity. In the kingdom of God, gold really has no worth. But purity... For anyone only comes through Christ and has great worth. The gold is our lives refined by his loving discipline. And if you notice the very next verse, it says in verse 19, Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. He also says that he will give them white robes, that is dignity, to cover up their their nakedness. He will give them white robes, that is the dignity to stand before him clothed, no longer shameful, no longer naked before him, but clothed, having dignity through and in Christ. And then lastly, it is that he also provides them sight, and so the eye salve of the region would come into play here. He opens their eyes so that we can see ourselves clearly. So that we can have a, a good picture of who we really are in Christ. Ephesians 1, 18 through 19 says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people in verse 19 and in his incomparable great power for us to believe that the power is the same as the mighty strength. That we would have eyes that our heart's eyes would be enlightened. In other words, the scales would fall off. We lie to ourselves all the time. We, we, We are the best tricksters for our own lives. The devil doesn't need to help us out a whole lot because we are really good at lying to ourselves. What's the latest lie that you've told yourself? Pizza's good for you? Did you tell yourself that one this weekend? I did. Don't worry, I'll work it off in the weight room. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. How about this? If I hit the snooze one more time, it won't matter. What's 10 minutes? What's eight minutes? I can still make it to class. I wonder, how comfortable are we? Coming off of the holidays, I thought about this as my 14-year-old, I told her, I said, tomorrow you have school. I told her that Sunday night, tomorrow you have school, so you kinda gotta go to bed a little bit earlier than you've been going to bed, to which I got, <laughs> I was like, what's that about? She's like, ugh. I was like, what is that about? She's like, school. I was like, well, you got to go. I thought about Georgia for a little bit. You're out two and a half weeks from school. Besides going to church, you've wore the same pajama pants for about 12 consecutive days with no hope of ever changing or taking them off because, I mean, gosh darn it, they're just getting comfortable. (laughs) And the only movement that you can bring yourself to is some type of random rotation on the couch, Feet going this way, now turn, now feet go this way, then, oh, I'll bring my feet close to my body, and then they'll be far away from my body, and then I'm on my stomach, and I have not got off the couch except to go to the bathroom occasionally, or to go to the refrigerator and go, there's no food. To which, your father replies, there's plenty of food in there, just not the kind you like. Oh, Titino's Pizza Rolls. How she loves them, let me count the ways. Titino's Pizza Rolls and Kraft macaroni and cheese and SpaghettiOs make the world go round. They do. They do. If those three things are in our house, she's like, there's a lot of food in the house. I'm like, there's a lot of just like food, like, like air, <laughs> yeah. And I wonder about this. How comfortable are you and I with our lives? I think that comfort for... This church, this apathetic church, and that's really the underlying sin that John is pushing at. This this apathy that has has kind of consumed them, where they are totally comfortable because they are totally self reliant, self sufficient. They're not they're not trusting necessarily in God for anything, for their salvation necessarily, or anything like that, because they're totally comfortable. They're totally cool. They're totally chilled out. They're totally self sufficient but they don't understand that their comfort is killing them that it is constraining them that it is confining them that there is so much more that they could be doing to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and they are totally consumed with what God has done and they could care less what he could do they are comfortable Think of it this way. They are sitting in the world's largest lazy boy. You know, Netflix has figured this out. Amazon Prime has figured this out. And did it, I have never watched so much TV as when I, I made the shift from uh, cable to uh, Netflix and Amazon and Internet TV, because next episode, what the heck? You don't have to do anything. You just sit there and it'll play Grey's Anatomy ad nauseum, seasons after seasons after seasons after seasons after. Se- you're like, how many seasons are there? Well, I don't know. Apparently a lot. And the next thing you know, you, it's 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and you've watched three seasons of Grey's Anatomy. And you're like, my, how time has flown. Why? You're comfortable. And they've made it easy. Anybody else guilty of this? Maybe not Grey's Anatomy, but we all have shows that we have <clears throat> binge watched. Is this, is this correct? Yep, I'm a binger. I'm a binger. In our society, how comfortable are we? In our Christian society, how comfortable are we? Very little challenges us. I mean, heck fire, very little motivates us. Do you think about that? Very little motivates us to do anything. Why? Because next week, it'll all be the same. It'll be here. And I think that's what Riley was getting at. She's saying, guys, the immediacy of it needs to, needs to be understood, needs to happen, needs to capture our heart and mind again. That What if they're not memes? I mean, Lord forbid that we have World War III. I mean, God forbid that is that war is a horrible thing. But what would your life look like if tomorrow the draft was back and college wasn't was not an excuse? Hey, ladies and gentlemen. The girls are looking around going, bye-bye, guys. Guess what? The United States military takes girls and guys. And girls, you can carry a gun and you can use it. He's saying, what are you saying? I'm saying, what if the world that you and I know radically changed? How would you respond? And for those of us sitting in this room that have had the... the, the the relationship with Christ that Riley is, ha, has referenced, everything has changed. Everything should have and is changed forevermore. And so being lukewarm is not an option. You notice he, he says you're neither hot nor cold because cold water is just fine and hot water has a purpose and cold water has a purpose, but lukewarm water has no Purpose in this context. Because they're apathetic. They are just indifferent to the powerful gospel of Christ. And this is only a few years removed from Jesus Christ walking around on earth. You and I, much more removed, but much more able to study God's word, memorize it. We can get it any color we want. We can get it any any. <laughs> comfort we want it can be the message it can be niv nasb it doesn't matter we can't we have multiple copies of god's word and yet we are so comfortable with it that we abuse it it sits on the back seat of our car we don't open it when dr reggie talks about the goals for for 2020 says we're going to read through the new testament we go "Eh." i mean why Because it's God's word. And so we need to understand that comfort confines and constrains, but Christ calls and he challenges. So let's look at the last few verses here. 19, he says, to those I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Church, repent. And then verse 20. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Christ is here. He's present. He's not going anywhere. Christ is knocking, thus he is pursuing us and he is speaking. He is calling out to us. He is calling us to action, calling us to let him move into our lives and invade our lives. Popular phrase in modern Christianity is we need to lean into Jesus. They said that several times at Passion. I don't like that. Let me lean into Jesus. Lean, lean into what I'm saying. I, I don't want Jesus to lean into me. I want him to invade my life. I don't want to be close to him. I want to be consumed by him. I don't want to be close to him. I want to be consumed by him. I want to be challenged by him. I don't want to be comfortable. I don't want to sit on my laurels, to borrow an archaic phrase. I want to be challenged beyond my own comprehension and my own capability so that lukewarmness never enters my life, that it never has a place, that the only thing I know is bought and sold with the blood of Jesus Christ. And wherever that takes me, I will go for I am dead and he is alive. Maybe that's not you. Enjoy being the chicken. New shirt idea. Make me a pig for Jesus. Slaughter my life. I'd get, I'd get some questions. i say, you know what, man? I'm tired of being involved. I want to be sold out committed. I want to give everything I have to the only one that deserves it. Hmm. So that's the question for you tonight. Is your relationship with Christ one of growing intimacy or is he standing outside waiting for you to commit your life to him? I'm going to get Zach to come and play for a moment. I want to give you the opportunity to start 2020 off not with goals and objectives and a warm fuzzy feeling that you're going to read your Bible more and that you're going to memorize scripture and you're going to do all these law type things that the rich young ruler talked about. But with the idea that you will sell everything that you own and you will sell out to the one who died for you and me. So be a sellout. For Jesus, I don't know what that means for you. It might mean that you probably you know need to start like, you know, having a life that reflects Him. It might mean that you got to get rid of some relationships. Well, I just want to ask why? Why? Why not? Why not? Give me five reasons. Give me one reason why you won't get rid of the sin that so easily ensnares you and you won't come and confess it and repent and turn from it. What's holding you back? Why? Because you like your sin more than you like your salvation. That's why. You know what? I do believe, really do believe this, that if the world saw a bunch of sold out Christians that they really would come to know him because they believe because they would look at your life and my life and they would say they're not just involved, they're committed how can I tell? because I see their calling see that they've answered the door. They flung it open and they didn't just let Christ lean in. They just let him invade. So I don't know what it's going to take for you. I have no idea. But I don't want to talk to you about it. Heck, I'll beg and plead for you to get sold out for Jesus. Jesus say, well, Casey, I'm scared. Scared of what? Right here, the most lukewarm church of all time, Jesus just says, repent. Just answer the door and I'll come in and and we'll have fellowship with each other. And if you look at the end, he says, to him who overcomes, I will give a, a... the right to sit with me on my throne. In other words, when you repent and confess and and, and you have fellowship with him, he says, you are now joint heirs with me. You are with me. You're my brother. You're my sister. You're my child. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're right here with me. And we're scared of that, huh? And so we just want to give you the opportunity to pray, maybe in your seat, maybe up here. If you need to talk, I'll be up here. Love you guys. Miss the heck out of you. Miss your smiling faces and God's good graces that flow through you. I love college students. Always have, always will. I'm just a 43 year old college student. Praise God. Let's get committed. What do you say? Zach, you sing. We'll commit. Brooke, you sing. Brooke just pops out of nowhere like, you need this back? Is this yours? Well, I'm using it. Okay. I'm going to pray for us. And then Zach, you go. Lord God. In all seriousness, God, we ask that you take every area of our life that we're just involved with you. Lord, that we just kind of let you hover around, that we just kind of hung out with you a little bit, that we just kind of said, yeah, I like me some Jesus. Lord, that we would just get totally and completely honest with you. We would confess sin. We would repent, turn from our evil ways, Lord, and run to you with open arms and open that door and let you come in, Lord. Because we know as soon as you enter the room, you're going to give us a big hug. Lord, let us commit wholeheartedly to you. Lord, let us give you everything because you deserve it. Lord, we don't want to be like the rich young ruler and just walk away being sad. We want to be like the disciples and leave everything and follow you. So, Lord, give us courage in these next few moments to take an honest look at ourselves through the eyes that you have provided. Lord, open our eyes. At this time, please, God, we want to see you. We want to see ourselves like you see us, Lord, that we would be washed white as snow. You're the one and true God. Well, let's commit to you right now. In Jesus' name, amen.